text. Okay. What we're going to do is, for, I just want to remind ourselves where we are because between the fact that we've been away for Pesach and then, you know, it, we've been through a few brachos, so we're talking about davening. And the purpose of davening is, we said the purpose of tefillah is to connect the spiritual world and the physical world. This is one of the core purposes of mankind to bring into the physical world the Tzalem Elohim, to, to be the Tzalem Elohim in the physical world, and in doing so to bridge the gap between the spiritual world and the physical world. Um, within davening, <coughs> we're, doing, we're talking about brachos. The purpose of a bracha is to tie or connect something in the physical world to its source in the spiritual world. So everything in the physical world, good morning, I hope everyone had a great Pesach. I didn't even like talk about lack of transition. Um, although we're still touching on Pesach in this bracha, as it turns out. Um, the purpose of a bracha is to tie that which is in the physical world, which is expressed into the physical world, and tie it back to its source at the source of all blessing, which is in the higher worlds of bracha. And we've talked about that quite a lot. There's a sort of a reciprocal path there. There's our blessings going up and there's the blessing Hashem sends coming down. And these are different expressions of really the same thing going back and forth. It's a dialogue of bracha. Within brachos, we're talking about birchos hashachar, the set of brachos in the morning. And the process of these particular brachos, as really with all brachos, but we're seeing it very specifically here, is that when I look at the world, when I look at what is in the world, when I look at my experience of the world, it triggers a realization that what I'm seeing is something that is actually just the tiny, physicalized, materialized tip of something that is actually flowing from Hashem, from the source of all blessing into the world. So, I wake up and I think, what day is it? Is it day? Is it night? Like, do I have to get up, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I can see. What, that triggers in me a realization that I can see the difference between day and night. That's Hashem Nasan Lasach Vivina, Lahavchim Ben Yom Laila, which tells me. Thank God, my mind is working. I can tell the difference between things. I can distinguish between things. I can tell what's right and wrong. I can tell if it's time to get up, time to lie down. Okay, my mind is working. And then I look and I see I have a role in the world. So, so here the placement of our th those other th set of three negative brachos mm -hmm. is a little bit, there's all kinds of discussion about that in the post game, right? But I look and I see that I opened my eyes. I can see something. So not only is my mind working, but I can actually bring stuff in from the outside through my eyes, through my ears, through my senses. They're working. <coughs> That's amazing, right? And that tells me that Hashem is giving me information. Hashem is letting me serve Him in this way. That there's more to what I see than just what I see because I have to see it. I have to process it. So there's a, a processing level going on. I look and I, I feel that I have clothing on me, you know? And I realize that my body, I have a body, and I'm grateful for it, and it's a tool to serve Hashem, 
and it also doesn't have to dominate, that there's more to me than that, right? When I'm able to, to uncurl myself in the bed and I realize that my muscles and my joints still work, I'm no longer imprisoned by my sleep, right? Each thing, as I experience it, and this really can continue throughout the day, but it's pretty intense, that each thing that I see and each thing that I experience and each thing that I feel really can be reminding me of the deeper spiritual role that it plays, that it comes from a place of bracha and chesed from Hashem, and that my job is to use it and dedicate it to Hashem, to avoda. What comes to us as bracha is what we dedicate back as avoda, mm-hmm. right? That everything has a role and a place. Is, is Hashem talking to me and... and providing for me and guiding me into what my role should be and how I can serve him and what I need for it, right? So this is the role of a bracha. I mean, that is literally how we use our brachos to tie back to each thing, to its source in the spiritual world, to recognize us from Hashem and bridge the worlds in this way. That's how we do it through brachos. So it was time to, like, maybe recap that. Yeah, After especially in these brachos where everything kind of takes you back to the Garden of Eden eventually and it... It's really easy to lose track of where the point is that when you see things, each thing reminds you of something. In the same way that we sometimes will talk about a word, base is an example, or an aleph is an example. We're going to do that a lot today, right? We talk about a certain letter or a certain word, and it reminds me of something. Even if I don't spend much time thinking about it, any particular time I say the bracha, but that reminding, that feeling that it makes inside. You know, you can have, they, they did these studies many, many years ago on galvanic skin response, which is like an electrical response in the skin that can be measured with a very sensitive meter. And somebody who appears to be in a vegetative, like, coma, um, you can show that they'll have a galvanic skin response when someone that they know and love comes in the room and they hear their voice, okay, which which tells you, okay, now, and by the way, that's, and that can be true of people with severe dementia, meaning, <clears throat> does it tell you how much they're processing? No, you don't know. But what it tells you is you can have a reaction to something that becomes deeply embedded, meaning you do it over and over again. You have a relationship with somebody over and over and over again, and it gets to where it brings up a feeling that you associate with them, hmm. even if you're not thinking about them. Right. This is what we want to do. We want to we make the whole world a series of things that remind us of our relationship with God, but each one in its own way, in its own angle. You get to a certain bracha or a certain story or a certain event, and it reminds you. And even if you don't stop and think cognitively deeply and intellectually about the other event or about the experience or about the trial that you went through, and then, you know, you go through certain things, and all of a sudden, uh, yeah. right even even if you're not stopping there's an emotional association with it and when you go through difficult times then things are on your mind when things are on your mind you start noticing stuff in a different way I'll give you an example when a friend of mine a friend of mine was sick and um, his body couldn't absorb nutrition even with an IV like the body which is it's terrible that when, I guess I was maybe on Shabbos, I was benching, and I suddenly realized that in benching, we say, We thank you, Hashem, our Lord, for giving us a beautiful land and a broad land and taking us out of Egypt and 
saving us from, redeeming us from slavery and giving us the Torah and the mitzvos. And for Chaim Chain Vochesat for life and grace and kindness that you give us graciously, the Al Achilas Mazon Shatazan Umefarnik Sosanu Tamid. And for the consumption, for the eating of the food which you give us and provide for us all the time. And I suddenly realized something I had never noticed. Years and years, and, and even including years where like here and there I was trying to think about the words. That's, it's a very big run-on sentence, no doubt, let me tell you, which is one reason why it's easy to miss it. Right, Rabbi Reisman said, it, um, Rabbi Reisman has a, a system, you count the, every time you say the word al in no doubt, count it out on your fingers, then you know if you stayed in the, <laughs> seven, there are seven of them. Okay. It was the first time I noticed that we're thanking God for the ability to eat the food he provides us. Ve'al achilat mazon sha'atazan. And for the eating of the food, the, the digesting, the processing, achila is, is not only eating into your mouth. It's a process. Aleph is the anochiyut, the, the self. And kal is destruction, complete destruction. When you take something in and you completely destroy it, but you, it becomes part of yourself. That's aleph chaflamed, achal. That's eating, right? You completely integrate it into yourself when you eat something. That's what we're thinking for. I always... Whenever I was paying attention over there in benching, I really think I was thinking about thank you for the food. That's not what it means. It means thank you for the ability to eat the food. Why did I notice it? Because it was on my mind. That issue was in my mind. So I suddenly became aware of this concept that not always, even when you have food, can you eat it? God forbid. It's a terrible thing. That's an amazing thing. To be able to eat food and to process food is an amazing thing. So... Now, whenever I bench, I don't necessarily always stop and think through the whole story of what happened. But I see the words differently. It reminds me of a concept now that wasn't there before because I hadn't had the, the thought experience of it. So this is, you know, when all the brachos, all the things we experience and we think them deeply into our brachos, then in the future, it's not that every bracho we say we always stop for 15 minutes to work through. It would be nice, maybe. Maybe. It would be obsessive-compulsive is what it would be, yeah. as a matter of fact. Um, but, but occasionally, you know, there's Yom Kippur, where really that's what you spend your whole day doing is stop. You know, there's time. You stop and, on one word and spend five minutes, and then go on with all the other words. You know, don't work on everything at once. But the other words remind you of something, mm -hmm. because you spend time with them at some point. There, you know, all these different places where we've spent our time with God. Right? So then when we come to those words again, they, they speak to us. They speak to us differently and more warm. We have a reaction to them. Okay. So this bracha that we're up to is Baruch Atoa Hashem. You are the source of all bracha. Hashem, the loving creator, an infinite creator of the universe, who is master and king of the universe and master of all powers, of nature, zokef kefufim. So we have to translate the words, and we're going to spend a decent amount of time on the words. Zokef means to straighten up. It, I think literally, as far as I can tell, there are very, very few places this word comes in Tanakh, which if you want to know what a word really, really, really means, you kind of got to look at Tanakh. It's not a common word. I found three so far, one of which was Aramaic. Um, the four, sorry, 
two Hebrew, one Hebrew and a Rashi, one Aramaic. Zokaf means, with a, usually we say it means to lift up or to straighten up. It seems to mean to lift up even more than straighten. Kefufim, those who are bent down or bent over or the, the real meaning of it is crushed under the burden, bent under a burden. Okay, so what does this connect to? What experience in our, in our daily life does the Gemara say it goes to? Kizakif, when a person straightens up. Lima baruch zokif kefufim. When you're in your bed, now this is very, very closely associated with matir asurim. Okay, so you'll hear that there's, there's overlap to the extent that if you accidentally said zokif kefufim before you said the bracha matir asurim, it's a question if you could say the bracha matir asurim. It could be it's included already in your zokif kefufim. Like it's, it, there's that, they're that adjacent. They're really a set. They come together in the Gemara as a set. They really go together. So Matir Asurim, which was all that conversation we had about Yosef, mm-hmm. right, being imprisoned, the idea that when we're sleeping, everything is held paralyzed by our mind. And so when we're able to move again in the morning, we say Matir Asurim. And we associate that with the ability to move, the ability to act, to make choices, to be free of our Yetzirah which enslaves us. That was the, the Yosef, the freedom of the dark. Mm-hmm. Over here, it's when you straighten out. It's particular to the straightening. It may go as far as sitting, but once your feet hit the floor, you're into another bracha. <laughs> yeah. So it's this, the ability to move your joints, to move, to straighten ourselves and Zokaf is the lifting up, so it's also to the ability to raise ourselves, to lift ourselves up. It once happened that I woke up, I, had a, I woke up with a fever, and I couldn't move. My joints were all, like, for, it was some kind of infectious arthritis. And for two days, I was in agony. And the longer I stayed still, let's say in bed, or I remember take, going to a doctor's appointment, sitting in the back seat of the taxi, and to get out of the taxi was agony. I mean, I never understood what arthritis could mean. Uh, you know, I was all of like 30. <laughs> and I was crippled. It was terrible and agony. Um, and for about two days, and after that, it gradually went away. It took about two or three months to go away completely. But basically it went away. It was two or three days. And wow, like the ability to move after your joints have been stopped is not a small matter. I have a friend who has some kind of rheumatoid arthritis from a very young age. So we're about the same age, and I must have met her 10 years ago. And she had already many years of trouble. I remember her telling me that there are times it takes her an hour or an hour and a half to get out of bed in the morning. The pain. She's not handicapped. I mean, she can use all the parts of her body, but it's hard to use them when it hurts so much. The pain is so bad. Thank God she's done other things and whatever. But when I met her, she was probably also, you know, like under 35 using a walker. I mean, that's how bad the pain was. So we definitely can't take it for granted that we're able to move our joints, able to straighten ourselves up, to shift around. Okay. So where does this term come from? Because we know that that wherever possible, Chazal took the terminology of brachos from existing psukim. Mm-hmm. Mostly to Hillam, and this is from the same pasuk that we saw before. Did I bring? I didn't bring it to Hillam. Sorry. Okay. 
which is a pasuk in Kufmem Vav, 146. Hashem pokeach ivrim. We say it in, oh, thank you. It's actually in Birchas HaShachar also. Kufmem Vav, Tehillim Kufmem Vav, 146. Okay, so this, 145 is more familiar. That's Ashrei. It doesn't start with Ashrei. The first two psukim of Ashrei are from somewhere else, the previous one. Okay, but Kufmem Hei is Tehillal David Arumim Cholokai HaMelech, that we, we know more, it has a song. 145 is Ashrei. It doesn't start with the word Ashrei, because Ashrei, that verse is tacked on from elsewhere, but the chapter. And that has a similar reference. So in Ashrei, you have the verse, Somech Hashem lechol hanoflim. This is 145. Hashem supports all who fall, vizokef lechol hakufim, and lifts up all who are bent over. And in Tehillim Kuf Memvav, which is the next parak, which we also say in Psuke de Zimra, but it doesn't have catchy tunes associated with it. So you may not know it so well, depending on how much of Psuke de Zimra you say. You have the verse in Pasuches, Hashem pokeach ivrim, Hashem opens the eyes of the blind, Hashem zokef kifufim, Hashem straightens the bent, Hashem ohev tzadikim, Hashem loves the righteous. Okay, and Rav Hirsch had said that uh, this one is talking on... I'm trying to remember. This is on the communal level. Now I can't remember which one it was, and I don't. I switch notebooks now. Yeah, this is on a communal level, and the previous chapter is on the individual level. But but they're covering similar topics. Thank you. Okay. Hashem opens the eyes of the blind. Hashem straightens the bent. Hashem loves the righteous. So of course we're not going to make a big deal about the question. The question is the same as the one we had when we talked about Matir Asurim which is, it's still in reference to the suffering. Hashem straightens the bent is still an oblique reference to the fact of being bent right. over, right? So we started answering that by talking about a sense of purpose, right? So when we talked about Matir Asurim, and we talked about the, the struggle against the Ezehara as a struggle within the darkness, but the growth that that enables, that there's purpose and and mission and value to our pain, right? Rav Hirsch has this beautiful statement about how in our pain we are at our closest to God because Hashem is with us when we suffer. Therefore, when we suffer, we are close to Hashem. Like, this is a very key element there. Okay, we're going to, by the time we get to Zokev Kifufim, we'll have like maybe one more angle to add to rounding out that thought. So we won't spend time on it over here, but by the end of it, Emirat Hashem, a little bit more. Okay. Now it turns out, and the Radak immediately points this out, he says, when it says Hashem straightens up those who are bent over, Kfufim doesn't really mean here people who are physically bent over. And as we go on, you'll see, you'll see why that is. It refers to being mentally crushed or oppressed. When we say Hashem zokev kefufim, although it, it, it can mean, yes, that the person is having physical suffering, but what this is talking about in particular is the emotional aspect of the suffering. So if you're in pain and somebody comes and gives you a painkiller and they say this painkiller works in about 10 minutes, you can tolerate the pain differently than if you haven't been given a painkiller. But the pain, those 10 minutes, is the same. 
if you're in a lot of pain, I don't know, having a baby, right. okay. whatever it is, a lot of pain, and from 9 o'clock to 9.10, you're in this terrible pain. Okay. At 9 o'clock, somebody, the doctor comes and he gives you a shot, and he says, this is a very powerful anesthetic. It takes 10 minutes to kick in. The difference between your suffering between 9 and 9.10, knowing that in 10 minutes you'll have relief, versus not thinking that there's any relief coming, this is the pain that is addressed in Zokev Kifufi. It's the emotional aspect of the pain. It, it's not that there isn't pain, but it's regardless of whether the pain is an emotionally inflicted pain or a physically inflicted pain, it's the suffering that you have from the pain that has to do with feeling hopeless or entrapped, that there's no way out, that you don't have the strength to deal with it, that there are no more solutions. That, we're all familiar with this in one degree or another. Okay, there is an element to pain that is physical or, or let's say physical is wrong because it could be emotional also. You know, somebody could be emotionally abusive. But there's still going to be the second level of the pain, which is the level of feeling trapped or hopeless. This is kfufim, crushed, bent over. It's weighing on you so heavily that you yourself feel that you are pushed down by the suffering. That's kfufi. That's bent over. It's being crushed by the burden of the suffering, not by the, not, it's not the suffering itself. It's something inside of you about how you feel about the suffering that Hashem lifts up. Okay. It's just knowing that Hashem is there. Right. Even if you know He is there taking care of you, and that, that will come back around to it. But we all know that feeling where I feel desperate. I feel there's no solution, there's no way out, I hit a dead end, maybe there is no end, there is no relief possible, that helpless, hopeless feeling that goes with it. We, we will come back around to this in more detail. But this is, the, this is the simple meaning of the bracha. We attach it in our minds and in our bracha to the experience of being able to shift and move and lift our bodies up which is everything's pulling it down, but there, an idea that I could change it and lift it up, right, as opposed to the actual just movement itself, mm -hmm. this is zokev kifufim. And when we feel that ability in ourselves, that's what it reminds us of, that there is a way to shift and change it within the boundaries, within the confines of the muscles and the ligaments and the bones and the weight and the heaviness of a body, there is still a power to be able to shift it and lift it up. It doesn't have to be bent down. Okay. So that's why it's that's why it's back to back because even if um, let's I mean not completely if no. you're completely physically paralyzed then you can't do that but at least if you still have the state of mind that there's hope that that's you right. can. That's right. That's why this bracha even someone who's completely paralyzed would say this bracha. That's interesting. So it's interesting that the physicality of it not complete physicality of it not yeah. all the brachas but yeah. comes first and then it's the Right, because that's how a bracha works. A bracha always is going to be tied to something physical in the physical world. That's what a bracha is. A bracha is I see something physical or I experience it in terms of the physical and I tie that back to the spiritual reality. But that is what a bracha does. 
So we have brachos for enjoying things, we have brachos for experiencing things, we have brachos for eating, for tasting, for pleasures. That's what brachos are. That is exactly what brachos are. Okay. Brachos are so fundamental that even as we work our way up through the higher levels, right now we've still spent all this time just in the bracha world. Right. You, you take that power with you as you go. So you go to Pesuket de Zimra, Pesuket de Zimra is still bracketed by brachos on either end. And then you go to Shema, and Shema has brachos before and after it. And then you go to Shmona Esrei, and every aspect of Hashem's Ratzon is described with a bracha after it. The bracha itself is like the fundamental building block. It's the Lego block that all the other things are, are built around. We, we use this, and we can go from there. Okay. So, yes, these two brachos, this Matar Asurim and Zokhev Kifufim, are actually mentioned together in the Gemara. It's a Gemara and brachos, Daf Samech. And they are, they are a set. Like I said, to the extent that if you get them out of order, it could be you can't say Matzir after Zokev Kefufim. So here's where I want to start. We, we defined this bracha. I'm going to give you these. Not probably the most efficient way to show what I wanted to show, but I think they'll do the job. Okay, so these are, these psukim themselves, I'm sure have very deep meaning, but I chose them only, only because they had the letters I was looking for and didn't have God's name on them. So, like, don't, don't break yourselves trying to figure out the meaning of why I chose those exact ones. They were on the first page of the tikkun. I just took pictures out of the tikkun so that I could... I wanted to be able to share how the letters actually look because even though we've talked about it in the past, Zokiv Gifufim is an awesome way to see how letters join together to make words and words join together to make sentences. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I, I made those circles. And, mm. Okay. All right. So I'm actually going to start with kifufim, the bent down. Um, so here at the top here, I wrote zokev kifufim, right? But these fonts don't show you the true shapes of the letters. So that's why we have the, this page, so that you can actually look and see the actual shape of the letter. Okay, so kifufim, which means like crushed down, bent down, pushed down. So it's made of the root is kaf, kafaf. Kafaf is the folded up or pressed down. The root of kafaf, the, the core root of kafaf is kaf. Kaf is made of a kaf and a fe. No surprise there. All right. Where are we going to start? Let's start with the kaf. A kaf, what does kaf mean? Kaf means a shape that is cupped. Like in English, cup. Cup comes from kaf. Okay? So you have a kaf yad. The kaf yad is technically the palm of your hand, but it's because of that curved shape. You have a kaf regel. The sole of your foot is called kaf regel. It's the curved, that curved shape of the foot. There's even a kaf yerech. The indentation in the groin is also a cup. It, it has that bowl shape that's kaf. Um, a spoon. Is a kaf. Kapit is a little spoon, right? Like a teaspoon, but it's it's a little kaf. Huh. A kaf is a nowadays in Hebrew kaf is like a tablespoon. It's any kind of spoon is a kaf. Okay. Kafuf, doubling the fe, has the grammatical effect of emphasizing. So rather than just kaf, which is a bent or curved shape, kafuf is overly bent, 
bent too much, curved too much over. So bent down maybe so that it's looking down at the ground, right? If somebody's very bent over, so their face is looking down to the to the ground. Is there doubling here? Yeah, that that's the effect of doubling the fay at the end. You have that in many things, many words work that way, where the three-letter root, but the third letter is really a doubling of the second letter, so it's an emphasizing of the core root altogether. So the Ibn Ezra, for example, says, kaf refers to productivity and accomplishment as a result of effort. So we've talked a lot about hands, right? Hands are the way we manipulate and interact with the world. Kaf is the effort. Fingers, that can be like detailed actual impact. Kaf don't, doesn't do that. The palm of your hand just provides force. The palm of your hand is an outlet for the force, for your effort into the world. The fingers themselves are the manipulation of the world, changing it, right? Okay, so the Ibn Ezra says that the kaf of the hand refers to productivity and accomplishment as a result of effort. It's that which you have accomplished because of push, because of effort. Kafuf means that which is bent over from too much effort. So if you've ever had the experience of pushing too hard with something, and it bends. You know what it kind of seems like to me a little bit? I, this could be totally wrong, but I, I see like pushing and hitting in the gut. Like That would also like bend you right over. Bend you over to the ground. Like you have this force yeah. with your hand. Yeah, I think and you're right. Once you have the, the, the vav with the ooh sound, like ooh, you know? <laughs> So I'm not sure where the vav comes in, but I think you're right. By the way, if you look at the letters, a kaf, this is not, this is not stam. A kaf is a bent over shape. A kaf is the shape. shape. The shape of the letter kaf is what it means, which is the curved over shape. But it's like graphic now that we use it. It's graphic. It. It's yeah. graphic. The letter kaf is the shape that the word kaf means. The bent. The bent over shape, yeah. the cupped shape, is the letter cuff. That's the shape it is. Uh -huh. Okay. A fay. So the Gemara and Shabbos says there's two kinds of fays. There's two kinds of chafs too. We're going to get to it. Okay. Kaf and fay are both letters that have final forms. So there's a chaf and there's a chaf sofit. Oh, okay. And there's a fay and there's a fay sofit. Mm -hmm. Over here, we're looking at the letter face. So the Gemara in Shabbos says, Kaftal Ramad Aleph, Pei Kfufa, Pei Pshuta. Pei Patuach, Pei Sasum. Okay, what does this mean? There are two kinds of Pei or Fei. There's a bent over Fei, and there's a simple or straightforward Fei. The straight Fei is where, here, this, this page. But you said overly bent shape. That's the Kaf. That's not pay? Also with fay, you see it's overly bent. Yeah. But this is there's just two forms. Bent. I didn't uh, we didn't talk about the chaf, the straight chaf yet, the ending chaf. Not this? That that's what we yeah. talked about. We didn't talk about this. Right. Chaf also has an ending version which is straighter. The that's top a, is bent and the bottom is, is straight. This is a yeah, that's feet. a sofit. With fay, you also have fay and fay sofit. Yeah. Okay. So the Gemara says there's a bent fay and a straight fay. There's two kinds of fay. What's the difference? The bent fay is a closed fay, and the straight fay is an open fay. 
What does that mean? So first of all, the word pay means mouth. It means mouth. Mm -hmm. Just like cuff means a cup shape. Mm -hmm. Pay means mouth. First of all, in the letter fe, you can see the mouth. It is shaped like, especially in a closed fe, okay? It's shaped like a, like a face with an open mouth going into there. Okay. There's other interesting things about a fe. If you look at the Sefer Torah version, in the Safas version, it has an invisible base inside of it. No way. Look. You see it? It's in white. The negative space of a fe is a base. This pneum is your outside, and base is your inside. Base, it means in, within. Yeah. The Torah, you know, it's not for nothing. The Torah is described as white fire on black, black fire on white fire. The negative space of the letters also has meaning. If you look at the fe in this one, so you can see that there's a base inside of it. It's not kosher if it's not. It doesn't make a base inside of it. You have to make a base every time you make a pay. Okay, but we're not going there today. <laughs> All right. So the Maharsha commenting on the Gemara. Maybe we have to see a better base version, but yeah, it makes it base. It's a lot of work to be a sofer. You have to know what you're doing. Not in the, look, in, look over here. Look in the, you have to look in the safer tomorrow. See that? See the white space inside? It makes a base. It has to make a base. That's a lot. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's, all right. Just, just for the fun of it, one reason there's a base inside of a pay. Base means inside, within. Bayit is a house, but it, it's that which encloses. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when Yocheved coated, um, coated the little basket for Moshe when she put him into the river, she coated mi bayit u mi bachutz. Mi bayit means within, inside. Doesn't mean in the house. It means within the enclosure, within the space. Okay, if you want to pass something from within the inner space of a person to the inner space of another person, it comes through the pet. The pet is the, is the opening. This is, okay, this is how you can find out what's inside of another person and bring it out into another person. That's why there's certain aspects like that where the, okay, let's stop there. That's a, <laughs> can't too, too far off track now. No, no. <laughs> The time will come. We'll get to where we want to talk about it. I'm sure. Okay. The Maharsha on the Gemara about the open pay and the closed pay. So that he's saying, no, no, no. You have to realize the Gemara is not just telling you there's a straight pay and a curved pay, uh, open pay and a closed pay. It means open pay and closed pay, open mouth and closed mouth. The Gemara is telling you straight and curved. He says, why? Because a, a person before they're born, when you're just a fetus, you are volat kfufa barechem. You are a fetus who is kafuf. Yeah. That's our word, kfufim, right? You're curled up. You're completely bent over, folded over on yourself, mm -hmm. like the letter pay, inside the womb mm -hmm. with a closed mouth. The mouth can't communicate. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's sealed. Babies can open and close their mouths before they're born. There's no communication. There's no expression that can come out through here. Hanolad. Once he is born, umis yasher, and can straighten up. That's the long fe. Now it's pe patuach. It's an open mouth. The leg, right, the, 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 le the base of the fe unfolds. This comes down, and now you have communication. Okay. Yeah, this, there's a lot of room for thought here. Okay. 
the Rambam. <clears throat> the Rambam says, when we talk, going back to the letter Kaf again, the Kaf is bent over. The Rambam says, there's something interesting about the letter Kaf. It's not just what the letter Kaf means as Kaf, like spooned or bent, but a Kaf has a very specific grammatical function. If you put a cuff in front of a word, it means as, or like, or about, right. or approximately. Yeah. Now, it could have been any letter. Huh. Right? I mean, it could have been a fey. Yeah, <laughs> could a, bet, a, a bet does the same thing. A bays means something different. Mm-hmm. It means it in, or in reference a, to. Yeah, there, there are yeah. a few prefix letters like that. Right. So the letter cuff can be attached onto another word idea uh-huh. and makes it say approximately, about, kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so the Rambam says this is a soft assertion. It's a comparison. It's not, a def- it's not an absolute. When you say something with a cuff, you're saying you're leaving room. You're leaving room for other ideas, other opinions, as opposed to saying it's absolute. So the letter cuff serves this purpose. Why the letter cuff? Because it's bent over. It's a humility. It's being able to bend yourself down. There's the negative side, which is being crushed down by the force of the other or by, you know, an effort that's too big for you. But the positive side of the letter cough is you can attach it to an idea and say, I I can bend down under the force of another idea. It's humility. It's the humble person. It says a humble person introduces his words by saying about, like, similar, approximately, I think, maybe. Right? Not, not everything has to be definite. I say definitely. Okay. Open to input, for better or for worse. Okay. So this is the bent chaf. But the truth is a chaf has an ending form. Mm-hmm. A chaf has a long form, just like the fei had a long form. And when it's at the end of a word, it becomes long and straight. Now, it doesn't become perfectly long and straight. The head of it is still bent, right? bottom becomes long and straight. This represents that one who succeeds in bending himself with humility will have help from heaven to rise to his full height and reach his full potential. Where you see this in the chaf is that the the head of it, which is directed towards God, is bent. Meaning, if you can have the humility where you need to have the humility, then God will straighten you below the impact from below will not bend you. Mm. Yeah? The impact from above will bend you. That's good. The impact from below will not bend you, and you can stand straight. The letter Chaf Sofit in itself is a beautiful description of the concept of Zokev Kifufim. Now, that's not a surprise, because, and again, this isn't the time or place to go into a long session on it, but final letters, there are five final letters, Manzapach or Menatzpach, it's just Mem, Nun, Tzadik, Fei, and Chaf. These are the five letters that have final letters. The final letters are associated with the end of days. Those five letters. Those five letters. Final letters, Otiot, Sofiot, mm-hmm. are associated with the Sof, with the end yeah. of days. It's very, very, uh, this is throughout. This is like. What are the five letters? Mem, Nun, Tzadik. Pay and chaf. So, so, in its representation, like the thing, 
having humility uh, means that at the end, yeah, you stand straight. Okay. <laughs> it's nine o'clock. I'm like, well, do we talk about Zocave? <laughs> Letters are always fun. Okay, let's let's talk about the word Zocave, and then next week we'll start talking about some of the deeper meanings of the bracha. But it was. You have to, you know, this is such a beautiful place where we can build up the meaning yeah. of a bracha from the wor- letters and work up from there. How the letters themselves combine together to create the ideas is just, it's astonishing and beautiful. Makes you understand why, like, you want a daven in Hebrew, even when you don't always perfectly understand the words, because there's a power here in the letters, even when we don't get it. Okay, the word zokef is a zion. Right, Zion, Kuf, and Fe. Fe we talked about. So mostly we're going to talk here about Zion and Kuf. Zion. The word Zion means a tool. It has two forms of use. The primary meaning of the word Zion is a tool for building and growing. The perverted or unfortunate meaning of the word Zion, like clay Zion, is weaponry, is a weapon. Okay, so it can be a tool for growing and building. That's what it ideally should be. That's the word zan. Hazan es ha'olam right? Hazan etakol means to, to provide sustenance, to nourish. Mazon is food, right? And benching is all zan, zan, zan. Right. It's not talking about weapons. It's talking about food. Well, and weapons also so. are destructive. So you're here you have... This, it's the destructive version yeah. of, right, the positive use of Zion is building and growing for food and, and nourishment, and the negative is weaponry. In the positive form, what you get from Zion is lechem, which is bread. In the negative form, what you get is milchama, which is also the root of bread, but it's a war. Zan, Zion, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The words, the words all mean something. Okay. Lechem and milchama. It's the same thing as Zion and Zan. It's, it's the same uh, duality, meaning the two sides of how the tools are used. Okay. So tool for growing or building. So that's the zokef begins with the Zion. The letters, if you look at a letter Zion, it looks like a, a tool. Okay. Followed by a kuf. Okay. So a kuf is very interesting. You really have to look at it in the Torah version over here. So on the the second line, which is the first of the circles, the word boker has a kuf in it, right? If you look at a kuf now with new eyes, you see that it's made of a chaf and a zayin, or possibly a chaf and a nusafit. It depends. There's different, different, uh, different explanations what that bottom one is. But a sofer knows, meaning they know there's certain building blocks in safros. Meaning you learn to make certain letters, and from those letters, like you learn to make a yud, and then you use the yud movement to let's say make a different letter also, right? If you look at like a mem, so it's sort of a vav, and then it's got, like they're, they're constructed of components. A kuf is constructed of a chaf and either a zayin or a nun, so a final nun, which is the same thing as a zayin, but longer. Okay, so what do we see then about the kuf? We see it's got aspects of a kaf. It has the cup shape, it can, it's bent over to some extent. However, at the bottom, instead of being fully bent by the force from below, it's elevated on 
either the Zion or the or the Nun, right? Let's call it a Zion over here since we're talking Zions. But it could go either way. Okay. So the this the letter Kuf is a specific, its primary meaning is Kedusha, holiness. The word Kedusha starts with a Kuf because this is the main element of Kuf. In other words, it's the experience when in the natural world elevated on holiness. So what is, let's say for example, Kuf is associated with cycles. So whereas the, the kaf, the roundness of the kaf is our own efforts going in, the productivity and achievement of effort, with a kuf that is put together with the natural function powers in the world. So let's say the, the Zion down there, which is seven, Shabbos creation, seven days, Shabbos seven days, Shemitah seven years. The interaction of the Zion on the kuf, the seven, with which is natural cycles, mm -hmm. together with the kaf, our own effort. This elevates our effort. This is kedusha. This is how we get to kedusha. Is our own effort, but elevated on the cycles of nature that Hashem created, victorious in kedusha. How they talk it? Hakafos seven hakafos on some Torah. the same idea. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now again, kedusha. You're always walking this fine line, like we saw with Zion and Milchama, okay? Which is how something could be used for the negative. Our actions in this world, within the, the confines of nature, can become elevated and holy. Or they can just stop there. They can just not be elevated. They can just be actions within the realm of the physical world, where there's nothing else behind it. If that happens, what you have is just physicality. And then it's not a kuf, it's a kof, which is a monkey. It looks like a person. Genes are a lot like a person, but there's no elevation. All the activity is in this world. There's no spiritual side to it. So that's the risk side, the risk side of kuf. The risk side of kuf is it, it needs some greater degree of, it, it, it's fulfilled in its elevation. The relationship of the, of the kaf with the Zion is what gives it the kedusha. It's not just having them both. It's very complex. It is. It is. It is. I mean, the the, alter, the the relationship has to do with again the fact that the kaf of the kuf, right, the curve at the top is bent, is submissive to the force from above. It's the curved itself, the, and that is now providing a cap and a limit over the seven. So there's this spirituality that is affecting down. That's what provides the elevation and lets it stand up. Otherwise, a kuf is an unstable letter. By the way, so we're just, let's end right here. Okay, we'll continue on next week. When you look at Zokef Kifufim, one... <laughs> Among many, but one of the shared characteristics of Zion, Kuf, and Fesofit is that they are standing up letters. Hmm. It's not just that visual, visually they're standing up letters, but it's also inherent to the important, like part of the definitions of these letters is that they're standing up letters. 
Like if you look at the, there's a wonderful book, Wisdom of the Hebrew Alphabet, mm -hmm. which brings together a lot of these ideas about the different letters. You see, like these are characteristics that are inherent to those letters as they're standing up. And kafuf is specifically letters that have inherent to them, inherent to their meaning is that they're bent over. The word kafuf visually and in the meaning of its individual letters and in the meaning of its letters combined all means bent over. And zokeh, the meaning of the letters, the shape of the letters, the order of the letters, the numer numerology of the letters, everything about them combines together to tell you about lifting and standing up. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to end here. And yeah. Ritz next week, we'll start talking then about, so let's say you take all these ideas that are compressed and behind, right? Even the word zokeh kifofim, you can look at the word and the physical vision of the word reminds you of a spiritual reality yeah. behind it, right? But, but where do we go with that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so what we, you have stuff to be able to take that. How do you implement that? Yeah, like in a practical emotional sense, where do you apply it? So that's what we'll, we'll start in my session next week. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So the, the, this one I got, that is the cup. Right. And then the The Zion, stem underneath is a Zion. Zion, and Zion is the natural cycle. Right, seven. seven. And then you mentioned something about that Hashem. So it's elevated. So the, the, elevate. our actions, oh, our actions, actions, which is in the kaf, yeah. right, the force of our action, yes. is elevated mm -hmm. through, I'm going to look, I'm, I want to look back and see exactly how it was said, because I didn't take it up. Okay, this is quoted in the name of Magen David. I saw it in Wisdom of the Hebrew Alphabet. I'm going to take that back. It's the interaction of our actions with the cycles of the physical world. The elevation comes from above. What makes it elevated is the fact that it's still bent to the above side. Now, even the shape, the fact that a kuf has the action over the physical world, right? The, the bottom level is the physicality, right. the physical, the, the limitations, which are also the strength of the physical world. Mm -hmm. Kedusha is always associated with restraint, discipline. We create Kedusha by holding back. Okay. okay? There's holiness we create through action. Mm -hmm. There's holiness we create through restraint. So this idea of the action and the force of our action mm -hmm. being over the, the, natural. the natural world, this is a creation of Kedusha. Our efforts to say it can be over that which is physical limitation. Okay. We're affecting the physical world, but we're also not limited by it. If anything, it's limiting, we're limiting the physical world. And this is also expressed in the curve at the top, which is subjugated or meshuchna, you know, not meshuchna, like machnia, that it's, it's bending down to Hashem above that. That's where the infusion of the holiness then comes in.
Okay. Different way of looking at it.